You are tuned in to Kids in the Pit. It's Gabe from the Kids and Pit Podcast. Today I'm joined by Thomas Barnett from the band Strike Anywhere. Hey Thomas, I've met you a couple times. Good to see you again. Mind if I ask you some questions about your musical career? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's good to see you too, Gabe. Yeah. Okay. So for those that don't know, what are you doing in Strike Anywhere? I sing and write lyrics in Strike Anywhere. Cool. So I know my dad had some of your albums in high school. What year did Strike Anywhere start? We started in 1999 in August. Awesome. So right before the turn of the millennium. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Nice. So where did Strike Anywhere start? And do you all still live there? So we started in Richmond, Virginia, which is our hometown. And I, I don't live there right now. I live in Los Angeles. Oh. Um, but Garth, our bass player, and Eric, our drummer, and Mark, one of the guitar players, all live there in Richmond. And Matt Smith, he lives in Carolina Beach. Um cool. It's like five hours south of Richmond. Nice. So the first few bands I got into were Bad Religion, Alkaline Trio, and Hot Water Music. I wasn't really into anything with screamy vocals, but then I saw you guys in Boston with Hot Water Music last year, and I liked your band. And a few days later, my mom printed out the lyrics to I'm Your Opposite Number, and I liked it a lot, and I learned the lyrics before the Philly show, and at the show, you put the mic in my face to sing along. Next few months, I got into your band at I got into your band by Furnace Fest, and I knew a ton of songs, and you saw me sing along on the side of stage and pulled me into the center of the stage to sing along with you. It was so awesome. You're really the band that got me into bands with screaming vocals, and not just singing vocals. My favorite Strike Anywhere song is Sunset on 32nd Street. So what song do you suggest uh, someone not familiar with Strike Anywhere look up? That's a good question. Um, that, I think each of my bandmates, we'd all give different answers, even based on different times of uh of the year or the day i that's a good song to start but it's long um yeah. most of our songs aren't that long like said number is a good song to start but it's short and most of our songs aren't that so between those two songs probably a more like standard median strike anywhere song exists i would even say something like to the world yeah. or maybe a newer song called dress the wounds that came out on our nightmares of the west if those to me kind of feel like emblematic strike anywhere songs cool i don't think i've heard nightmares to the west it's our ep that we've released in july of 2020 um so and you know we couldn't tour or do much but yes it's the newest uh, batch of songs that we put out awesome so how old were you when you went to your first punk or hardcore show and who played so i was 14 and I went to see one of the first early shows of the band Guar. They're from Ooh. my hometown, from Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. And this was, so Guar came out of an earlier generation, folks older than me, from like the middle 80s hardcore generation. Um, bands like White Cross, Engraven Image, um, kind of local regional bands. And then they, Death Piggy is another pre-Guar band. And then they started to just 
they like made their costumes themselves in an old warehouse and then put on these shows. And it was, so my first punk show was also one of Gore's first shows. And it was like incredible. Like I felt like I'd entered into a crazy different world and it was small. Like Gore plays thousands of people um, over the past like 30 years, but this was one of the first shows. So it was kind of like, it was really DIY. And they like, one of the Gore characters roller skated through the back of the room with a foam battle axe and a crazy mask and a loincloth and that was it and it just felt like I was in like a savage apocalyptic science fiction future and so after that like the other punk shows that I that I went to see would be Bad Brains, Social Distortion, awesome. um, yeah. I, I saw all with Dave Smalley singing and a local band um, from Richmond called Four Walls Falling who were really influential and amazing. Cool. I watched the documentary about Gore with my mom. It's awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. They were kind of like our weird local hometown heroes. Sort of like, <laughs> it's just really strange to have Gore be your hometown heroes, but they they were amazing. And it was definitely like, it was the kind of thing where you're like, they took punk to a level where it was like a mystical comic book science fiction, but they did all that stuff. Like they made their own costumes. So they, you know, it was like so incredible to see them have that degree of independence and discipline. Um, so it was cool. It's awesome. Yeah, I want to see them live someday. They're cool. So if I ever become like a guitar player in like a decently big band, I will definitely say that Strike Anywhere is a major influence to me. So what are some of the influential bands for you? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. And again, each of my bandmates would probably answer a little differently. Um that band Full Walls Falling that I just mentioned, the local Richmond band from like the late 80s and 90s. Yeah. They were actually influential to most of my bandmates and me. Um cool. and they kind of, you know, I'd also say like hardcore bands at that time, definitely Bad Brains, Minor Threat, Dag Nasty. Um our drummer and me, like a lot of UK anarcho-punk bands like Crass and Conflict, um, Bjork's first band called Kukul. And, you know, things like that. Also, some of yeah. our peers and bands you already mentioned are amazing, like Hot Water Music, mm-hmm. like is and, uh, like yeah. learning from them, Propagandi. Um, these are bands that we're friends with and tour with, uh, you know, across the 20 years. Um, and we're still really inspired, like their influence and kindness, Bouncing Souls, like their ability to still generate meaningful songs and, and add to this big soup of punk that we're all in is is a blessing so yeah i would those are some of the beginning influences i'd also say bands like outside of punk maybe a little bit like billy bragg he's a british mostly like folk singer and um we really love a lot of his songs and his approach too so i could go on but yeah there's a lot of influences for sure cool i'll check some of them out so what is your favorite place you've toured in with strike anywhere that's a great question um Man, we've had the blessing of being able to go to a lot of places that we would not have been able to go to if people didn't invite us to come play. We played uh, Taipei, Taiwan, wow, which was wow. amazing. And it was actually, it was meant to be a small punk show, like the kind we'd normally play. And it happened to just fall on the weekend that they had a, uh, like a big pro-democracy festival at a soccer stadium and they had a bunch of different bands and like from all over the world and a lot of bands that were sort of and and because Taiwan is in the political orbit of China Mm -hmm. and China is trying to take over Taiwan either you know 
officially or unofficially. Um, and they're pushing back against that. And this concert was like a celebration of many activists who had who were imprisoned. And it was, you know, essentially pro-Taiwan independence, pro-democracy. Um, and there were, of course, Chinese planes flying over. And it, it felt really intense and sort of historic. And we weren't really prepared. We had just flown in from Japan and got there. And me and Matt Smith were sick, you know, because sometimes when you travel... You get you get sick sometimes, and then we just arrived, and it was just intense. Like our heads exploded. Um, there were nine thousand people there. It was amazing. And then, of course, getting around, looking. It was the Lunar New Year in Taipei, where they celebrate oh, yeah. the moon cycle, and there were all these giant, like street puppets that were like three-story high balloons of like all these characters and creatures, and and you know, it was it was really. There was so much we didn't understand that we were experiencing, so it was kind of amazing. But we've also um, been to Brazil and had an amazing time there. Um, awesome. Places with really unique, different cultures than America um, or Europe. And we've been all throughout Europe and we've had amazing times there. Um, we played far north in Finland in August. Oh. I don't know, about 16 years ago. And it was even though it was like the middle of the summer, it was close to the Arctic Circle and it was an outdoor festival. And I remember we had to wear jackets when we played because it was like still a little chilly, even though it was like the warmest it gets up there. Yeah. Wait, so so it was just like super north in Finland? Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, I think oh, the Finland's name right of the there. place might have been like yeah, it and it was also close to the north western russian border um oh. so and there was some russian punk and hardcore people came over to to see it this was this was years ago like before the current situation but you yeah. know um but uh but so yeah those are just some stories there's we we played like a bunch of places that were kind of amazing and beautiful new zealand is another amazing place that we played cool so what is your favorite food from another country um so I'm vegan. So anything that doesn't have animal products in it, like I get excited about, and especially if it's kind of like a local take on the cuisine. So they had like really cool in Taipei. Um, they had like a street street food that it was sort of like those puff pastries. And they usually have like, like sweet and spicy shredded pork in them. But this had like a vegan version of that. And it was so tasty and awesome. And it was also during this whole, like this show, this weekend of experiencing Taipei that was you know, beautiful and overwhelming. And so having this really warm, doughy comfort food that I could just walk around and eat was awesome. So yeah, there's all kinds of great food everywhere that we have such a good time. Like, and sometimes the folks who put on the shows will make food for us. And it's like a family dinner. Like we sit down with the other bands before the show, um, especially in Italy, they, they go all out. They have like a big table with tons of pasta and salad and like fresh vegetables. And it's just awesome. So the folks who treat this show, like it's kind of like a family event, um, you know, and cook for us, like it's just, it's such a memorable thing and it's, it shows us such kindness. That's awesome. Italians make like Italy has the best food. It yeah. does. It, they, they do amazing, amazing food and the vegan versions of it too are just incredible. So we, we really appreciate our time. The time that we spend in Italy, we're always like, Oh, and they're going to make a big spread of food. Yeah. And it's cool because they're like, they have like, I mean, just like everything that you want to eat. And then like, they kind of shut down the club and turn it into a little restaurant and then fold the tables back up. And then it's like a punk club again. And like a couple hours later, you're jumping around and you're, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 
I want to go to Italy. My dad, my dad's side of the family is Italian. It's awesome there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, what do you do for a living besides strike anywhere? So I am a, I work in labor law. So I'm a, a specialized paralegal, and I kind of I help develop um, cases for workers against their employers who have defrauded them from wages or put them in positions where they weren't safe. Um, also cases where people were poisoned by medicine or groundwater. Um, um, those cases are called mass torts. So stuff, I, I participate in those kinds of things and sort of like apply legal knowledge to uh, large groups, large classes of workers um, to try and get them justice and reparations. Oh, sounds cool. Nice. It's pretty good because it's not, so are you, are you saying that like, if there was like a, like a boss of, of like someone at a job and they put them in like a bad situation, you help the employee? Yeah, exactly. Those folks call me and we talk about what, what they went through. And then um, me and the team that I work with try to apply the law so that they can, they can sue their boss for not paying them correctly or for misclassifying them or for just trying to get around laws that already exist, worker protections. They're different from state to state too and from industry to industry. So it involves like a lot of research and analysis, but most of the time I talk to folks who are truck drivers, nurses, uh, people who work in chemical plants, people who work in oil refineries and talk to them about their rights and figure out if they have a case and you know, what can be done to... Um, I don't know, to get them some justice, to get them some some reparations. Because a lot of the corporations, you know, and industries themselves, um, they almost have like a traditional hostility towards the power of workers. Um, so this is one of the many ways that we try and, and get folks a voice, um, get folks some power, and kind of, you know, put these industries on notice that they can't just have people employed um, without thinking of them as human beings with rights, um, so yeah, that's, that's my day job. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, uh, ironic that that's your job. Cause a lot of your lyrics are like about that kind of stuff. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, no, this is sort of a newer job. I've only had this job for like six years or seven years or so. Okay. Um, and, uh, but it does, it does kind of feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain how I fell into this. Cause I don't, I didn't um, go to university or anything like that. I've just kind of been doing punk uh, music most of my life. And then just kind of found this opportunity at this, this law firm that specializes in labor law. Um, and I just got really interested in it and started to read and learn a lot. And this is at least another way I can be useful or try to be. Awesome. So how long have, have you had your dreadlocks and do you think you'll keep them forever? Um, yeah, so I've had these really long now, actually. They, uh, I've had them since 1989, like in November of 1989, the, this, this thing happened in Germany, the Berlin Wall fell, and it just felt really intense, and we were watching people from these, like, two different parts of that city who weren't allowed to see each other communicate, like, all of a sudden start to get together and take hammers and take swings at this wall that separated them and break it, and then me and my friends were kind of like, really inspired by that and then somehow for some reason we decided to give me dreadlocks that night and I've had them ever since so you, you just never cut them at all no I cut sometimes I'll cut them like I think it's super long and like it would be difficult to 
like walk around like if they get super long I don't want them to drag the ground and you know it just kind of depends um me and my wife were traveling uh years and years ago um in Sochi which is like a city south in the south part of Russia um and staying with some folks and they were like of a particular culture that if there's a full moon they like to trim hair so we were like okay that's cool so they trimmed my hair then um anyway yeah so I, every now and then I'll cut it a little bit but just sort of to make movement easy so I don't hurt my neck and you know, other lame reasons like that but but yeah I probably you know probably just have them forever cool uh like uh not exactly but like on like approximately how long have they like been this is probably the longest I've let them grow without any kind of haircut Cool. So this is like three feet or something, maybe oh, wow. something like that. Um, but yeah, and it, so it just, if it starts to like impede movement or hurt when I sleep or things like that, like it's good to cut them. But but yeah, I just try to keep them keep them maintained and keep them long. Cool. So what was your favorite TV show uh, or movie as a kid? It's a good question. Um. So when I was a kid, it was the 80s and the late 70s. So there wasn't a lot of variety of TV um, back then, um, unfortunately. But uh, I remember I liked, there, was, there was like a half hour sitcom called Good Times that I really liked and What's Happening. Um, and when the Star Wars movies came out, I was there in the theater. I saw those. Those were awesome. Um, there's a Disney film actually called Fantasia, which is like an animated movie set to music and it was almost like like an early music video kind of thing I thought that was amazing um but yeah there was only three channels and they didn't have a lot of there wasn't the same level of like tv like that there is now um so that probably didn't have like I probably wasn't watching as much tv as like say any of us do now with all the choices out there cool uh my mom and I watch wonder years a lot oh yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah, there's 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 a lot of things I need to like go back to and and look at. Um, yeah, I think when there was a Malcolm X movie that came out when I was about seventeen that I saw in the theater that was really moving and like kind of like showed me like like a part of American history that I didn't know very much about. That was kind of like life changing. Um, yeah, so but but yeah, definitely now there's a lot more content and a lot more TV shows to watch and enjoy. Yeah. So if you could be an animal uh, for a day with the promise that you won't be killed or eaten, uh, what would you choose? I'd definitely say a bird, right? Like there are these uh, golden-tailed hawks actually like here in, in Los Angeles, like in the city, and they fly between the skyscrapers and they're just amazing. And I just feel like that would be, that would be a really cool day to have as, as one of those birds. It'd be fun to just like, wait. Gone. Yeah. And, and kind of like ride the wind gusts and all the stuff that you see birds do that just looks like insane, like magical and like obviously be really fun. Or I mean, I should probably just take up like hang gliding or something, right? Yeah. And it's just so cool if they like tilt their body like a little bit, they'll completely change direction. Yeah. Yeah. And then like to hear their, their their voices and like what they're talking about and like the way they interact with each other, like whatever the social life of birds is, like that would also be amazing to participate in. Yeah. So if you could tell your 11 year old self anything at all, what would you tell him? 
Um, I would say to 11 year old me, like, like keep writing and keep asking questions and like, you know, be, be brave and like, like find awesome people and make connections and, uh, and that kind of thing. Like just keep being curious and like following up on ideas. All that stuff would be really important. Like keep a journal and write in it and like anything that feels special, like mark that down and, uh, and like hold on to that. Cause all that stuff is really precious. Like, like enjoy your brain. Yeah. And I'm finding a lot of like cool people because of Kids in the Pit, like you, uh, Brian Baker from Bad Religion, Pete Sikovitol, uh, Milo from the Descendants, there's tons of awesome people. Everyone that's bit uh everyone that's been on Kids in the Pit, like they're all awesome people. Those guys that you just mentioned too, they're like huge influences, like to us and like a bunch of bands. Like, and the fact that they're still doing it and as as good or better than they ever have and just have that energy and that optimism is is incredible it's like an unbroken chain of like energy and good influence and it's it's really cool that you do this game like having this it's kind of like an archive of these interviews with people and i appreciate your questions a lot yeah thanks uh yeah you're pete, welcome pete cannot stop moving on stage he's like 56 i think like it's crazy that he can just like he's so energetic he like just runs around he spins he jumps he he's crazy and awesome i never told the signal guys this yet of course i will but i'll tell you when i was 16 like and it's clobbering time just came out um and uh the, the blood sweat no tears um i climbed on top of my elementary school i, I didn't go there anymore but i was a teenager I climbed on top and I took a boombox with me and I played the tape that I made from those records. Oh, um, nice. And then that same week, I, my, me and my mom and dad adopted two cats and I named them Pete and Lou after the Cole brothers. Amazing. I'm going to tell them. You should tell them. <laughs> I'm going to tell them that. Pete and Lou were awesome too. But yeah, yeah. that's that, that's that's the level of, of sick of it all fanhood that I was, I was rocking as a teenager. Yeah, they stayed at my house last Monday because they were on tour. And they drove like right past. Well, not it was like an hour out of the way or something. So, and my mom used to work for them, like selling merch and stuff. Oh, cool! Awesome. Yeah, they're great. I bet that tour was so much fun. Yeah, it was. So, uh, anything you'd like to add before we wrap things up? No, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and asking me these questions, Gabe. It's been awesome. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Thomas, for joining me today, and thanks to all of you for watching or listening. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or follow me on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Till next week, bye! Bye! <laughs>